Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which, of course, is Marvel Entertainment. My co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this on Wednesday, August 25th, 2021. And the reason we're doing it uh, Wednesday morning is, of course, Aaron and I just watched the most recent episode of Marvel What If, which was What If the World Lost Its Mightiest Heroes? which I have to say I enjoyed quite a bit, perhaps not as much as episode two of this new animated series, which was what if T'Challa had become Star-Lord. What did you think, Aaron? Well, first, I think that the order of how they've presented what if so far is just brilliant because Mm -hmm. the first Avenger, we get Peggy Carter, and it's it's almost Mm -hmm. the entire Captain America movie with just little twists and turns along the way, but from beginning to end, there are memorable scenes that you can recall from that movie. And then when we get to our second episode with T'Challa as being Mm Star-Lord, you get the opening of Guardians of the Galaxy, but after that, it's off the rails from that movie, and it's a whole Mm -hmm. new experience. And then when we get into episode three, we do get like a tiny hint of uh, Iron Man 2, You do Mm -hmm. get a hint of the Incredible Hulk, which is odd to have Mark Ruffalo playing the Ed Norton version. I agree. I agree. And then, uh, so so you get hints of our other movies, but they're all killed off. The Avengers are killed before they can assemble. And so the whole time you feel more off balance than you do in episodes one and two. And I think that ordering of, it's almost like easing into a, a really hot bath. You know, you dip slow. And so first one, the first episode is you put your foot in the tub. Episode two is you you start to sink in. And episode three, you're in the deep end. But man, it feels good. They kind of do the same technique with Thor. I mean, you you get Thor arriving at the the site in Arizona where the the, Mjolnir had landed. Again, as a, a big fan of Clark Gregg as, as Coulson, as right. Coulson. Like, I loved the little bits you know we got of him. You know the fact that even if Thor, when his, his body is rotting away, still smells like lavender. Yep. And also, <laughs> I, I'm blanking his password, but it, it kind of revealed you know the Coulson is still it's like the, Steve, the Steve, one. Steve, Captain America, seven oh four, which is July fourth, obviously. Yeah, I mean, just again, it, they're a lot of fun. They're really well put together. You're, you know, it, it, seriously, if you're not watching these things yet, you should circle around to them. I have to say, though, this past two weeks has been the craziest time for Marvel-related news. Just today, one state over in Massachusetts, they are shooting Black Panther Wakanda forever. It's shooting under, it it sounds like a 80s college frat boy comedy. It's called Summer Break. But they've been shooting down in Cambridge on on the campus of MIT. Uh, Denai Gurilik, the woman who plays Okoy, and Letitia Wright, who plays Shuri. It's been interesting to sort of watch the the press dog, the set of the production, that they're down there in the full costumes. But whenever they're off camera, they have them put on these long black robes with hoods to sort of, you know, hide away. Anyway, folks, Aaron and I have talked about this for a while because uh, there has been so much Marvel news and it just seems to be, be getting more and more with each week. So starting on September 10th, Mud will be going from a twice a month production to a once a week production schedule. And there was much rejoicing from the masses. Whee! Cricket. There cricket, we go. Cricket. Yeah, there cricket. we go. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of news, the news portion of Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of Jim, the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. So pretty much picking up where we left off, I am almost embarrassed. We put so much time into discussing when the Spider-Man No Way Home teaser trailer would finally debut. And given that I've actually been to CinemaCon out in Las Vegas several times, the fact that I didn't connect the dots, well, of course, the big event where all the exhibitors in North America come to each year to see the upcoming slates for all of the students. Well, of course, that would be where the trailer for this film would bow. But were you paying attention this weekend when the the trailer leaked? Well, yeah. 
I mean, uh, that was that I, was news all over the place. I mean, I opened up Twitter and it was Spider-Man all up and down Twitter of the trailer is here. And mm-hmm. uh, it was on a phone, on a phone, on a phone, on a phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Recorded upside and... down from the Batcave. Uh, <laughs> I just, it looked horrible. And the effects obviously were not finished. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was not the proper representation that Sony nor Marvel would have wanted for your first impression of their mightiest hero at the moment. So obviously they were going to put out a fresh, shiny, brand new trailer to cover that heinous mm-hmm. mistake up right away, right? Well, yeah, but correct me if I'm wrong. You got to see the one that bowed on Sunday, right? The, the one that bubbled up. Yeah. And then you got got to see the official version that dropped on Monday, and you know, we, we finally got our, our 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 look at Alfred Molina, and confirmed the whole Doctor Strange thing. And but didn't the one that dropped on Sunday look different and have different scenes and different characters without spoiling anything here? There were glimpses. I mean, yeah, obviously it was different because it also didn't have any finished effects at all. I mean, it was so, so temporary placeholder. There should have just Mm -hmm. been a blank three by five card with a Sharpie written on it. But your scene goes here, you know, scene 12 missing. We'll put Mm -hmm. in later. Obviously, there are going to be changes. The thing that I was most Mm -hmm. wondering about was Mm -hmm. the choice to put in those wonderfully massive subtitles throughout the trailer. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen Marvel put such an emphasis on these are exactly the words that are being said. Pay close attention. Here's giant subtitles. That is true. Beyond that, the, as far as unfinished Mm -hmm. effects go, Mm -hmm. and I apologize for saying this, but right now, Alfred Molina looks like a corpse with too much rouge. He's, he looks pale, he looks artificial, he doesn't look lifelike, and it looks like, if you look at him, it looks like someone just said, well, we gotta dash some life into him, and they took the rouge and just started splattering it on the cheeks until there was a sign of life back in that rosy face, and it, he just doesn't look right right now, and I know it's not a finished effects work, and they've still got time no. to make it done, but man, there better be a good story reason to warrant that need. To be fair here, Alfred himself, I mean, there's a wonderful story that he told when they they came to him about they wanted to bring him back to play this character. And it's like, I'm 20 years older and I'm, you know, or almost 20 years older and I'm considerably heavier. And they, then he eventually realized, oh, wait a minute, you know, all I have to do is make mean faces. And, you and know, let the and, tentacles and this, do all the work, yeah. There you go. Yeah. So I, I think you're right. Maybe this is a little early on and they haven't necessarily nailed that stuff. This trailer dropped just two days ago on Monday, and you decided to go eyeball how Shang-Chi, the, the official trailer, was doing as well. And Do you want to talk about that? Or? Yeah, well, my, my general fear is that our entire conversation becomes all Spider-Man, 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 because we finally got a trailer, and let's talk about it, because we've been waiting for it, and, and et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And Shang-Chi is like the next event on the calendar on September 3rd. It's just spitting distance away. And there mm-hmm. really should be a spotlight on that. And I figured that, you know, if if I were in part of Marvel's marketing team, I would say, well, hey, gang, catch Shang-Chi only in theaters. And for being a good, loyal Marvel fan, you'll be the first people that get to see the Spider-Man trailer while you're at the theater. And then they wouldn't, you know, they would hold back that trailer for like a couple of weeks to let Shang-Chi have a good, you know, a boost in the arm, so to speak, to get more of a reason to come into the theaters and, and watch this movie. And so when I looked at YouTube, it kind of confirmed mm-hmm. my suspicions that on August 23rd was when Marvel released, the official Marvel Entertainment Channel on YouTube released the Spider-Man trailer, had 42.4 mm-hmm. million views right before we recorded today. And then the Shang-Chi uh, trailer, by comparison, the most recent, the final trailer, the newest trailer, mm-hmm. was released on the very same day, and that mm-hmm. currently has 1.6 million views. So about, you know, not quite one one twentieth, but you know, like one one thirtieth of the audience is interested uh-huh. in Shang Chi, and I know that there have been other trailers out for Shang Chi, so there have been more viewers that have accumulated over that pile. But if you if you were to look Friday at where the public interest lie, 
it's 42 point, you know, some million Spider-Man versus 1.6 million Shang-Chi. And Shang-Chi opens on September 3rd. How do you think Marvel feels about those numbers right the second? Yeah, I, I, I get that. I get that. But this is the third Spider-Man movie of a, you know, a popular reinvention of the character. And, the, and people have been chomping at the bit for this, you know, where's the trailer? Where's the trailer? So, and I, I do have to say also, and this comes straight from uh, our buddy Drew Taylor, uh, you know, uh, who I do the, the fine-tuning, who has now managed uh, to see Shang-Chi twice. And he says it's one of his favorite Marvel Studios films. They, they've done an amazing job. And so... Yeah, the, the new trailer looks absolutely amazing. And I was mm-hmm. speaking with a friend recently and, and had mm-hmm. said, you know, I don't know much at all about Shang-Chi. I, I, mm-hmm. I've never read any of the comics. So this is a completely mm-hmm. new, unexplored corner of the MCU for me and I'm most excited for that opportunity of fresh eyes in a new territory in a new corner of a world that I love so much um, mm-hmm. so I'm very excited for that fresh take and, and that eastern vibe that we just haven't had so far everything's been very no, very no, no, western and so I'm, I'm eager to enter the eastern region of the world and it, it kind of killed me last week Marvel Studios set up at IMAX screens all over the country on the 19th screenings of Shang-Chi that, you know, folks could sign up for and, and go and be among the first to see this film. And as Drew pointed out, you don't do that sort of thing. Set up a situation where you, you let people see the movie early so they can go out and evangelize if you're not ridiculously confident. Right. That said, though, it is a little concerning to pivot to another Sony film, uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Uh, Wait, they, this they've month. changed that name to Venom, Let There Be Carnage, dot, 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 eventually. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, you're not wrong. That's the thing that kills me. All right. August 12th, we saw the Eddie Circus film get pushed back from August 24th to October 15th. and But just yesterday... News broke. I think it was, uh, IGM had this news initially that it's being discussed now that Venom 2 could be pushed all the way back to January 21st, 2022. And that is entirely because of what's going on uh, with the Delta variant. Now, I, I guess I should mention here that just yesterday, for the first time in 17 months, I went to a movie theater yesterday. Nancy and I joined some friends and we went out and saw free guy which is ridiculously entertaining by the way but but that's the the first film i've seen in theaters since march of 2020 i caught pixar's onward the day before all movie theaters in the state of new hampshire shut down have you heard about the big battle in uh, Free Guy yet uh, between Blue Shirt Guy and Dude? No, but I love, I, I just like the, the nomenclature there of Blue Shirt Guy <laughs> versus Dude. That sounds like right up my alley. Okay, well, just the setup here is Dude is basically Blue Shirt Guy 2.0. He's the uh. taller, far more muscular version of Ryan Reynolds' character. And. Uh. They are doing battle, you know, and as the world is looking on, in on these two CG characters in a, a game do battle, and the Ryan Reynolds blue shirt guy character reaches into his inventory. Inside of, like, a minute of film time, he produces Captain America's shield, and then a Hulk hand, and finally an actual lightsaber from Star Wars to do battle with dude with. Nice. The director of Free Guy, uh, Sean Loving, as Sean explained in an interview with EW, it's like there was always this idea for the third act of the movie that was going to show Guy fighting an upgraded version of himself called Dude. We always wanted that idea that at some point Guy had mastery of the game world in which he lived in and then could access all of these various devices and weaponry that only advanced players could use in, in Free City. That's, that's the name of the game. So if the whole idea of this movie is wish fulfillment, wouldn't the ultimate wish fulfillment for Guy be to use the most iconic weaponry essentially in cultural history? And we're now owned by the studio that conveniently owns Lucasfilm and Marvel. So this merger allowed us to open our minds and say, okay, third act battle. The Blue Shirt Guy has leveled up substantially. We know the rules of his game world. And he has he could have any weaponry, any object he wants. 
So we <laughs> wrote to Disney. We said, dear sirs and madam, would you give us the privilege of this or that? And Disney wrote back and said, yes. And we were like, okay, yes to which of those items? And, and Disney was like, oh, all of them. You, you can have all of them. It's only like 17 seconds in the movie total, but it's to listen to the noise that the audience makes. And then one point when Guy conjures up Captain America's shield, they cut to an internet cafe, and it's Chris Evans watching on a laptop. And you get her just for a second, he's like, what the fuck? And then they cut away, and it just it turns out the way they got Chris Evans to be in the movie is he was in Boston at the exact same time shooting a series for Apple Television called Defending Jacob. And it was Ryan Reynolds who called him and said, hey, can you come and do just this teeny tiny scene? And Chris Evans, well, you know, I'm really busy, but if you can get me out in like 10 minutes, sure. So right. that's, that's what they did. He drove to the set. They put him in front of a laptop. He did his reaction shot. And it's all worth it to hear the noise that an audience makes when he pops up on screen for this tenth of a second. So you haven't see, seen Free Guy. It's a valentine to the world of computer gaming. I, I would argue in a weird sort of way, it reaches for and doesn't, it, it gets real close, but it, it sort of tries to be the Roger Rabbit of gaming, but it's, it's still really, really well worth seeing. But the thing is that Disney still got a Disney. I love to be able to tell a story like that that shows that, you know, here was Disney trying to show the folks at 20th Century Fox that, hey, we're one big happy family now because part of this merger so sure, here, use some of our toys in your movie. But at the same time, this past week, we got news coming out of uh, Avengers Campus at the Disneyland Resort. And remember, this thing only opened back on June 4th of this year. And one of the elements of the land that people absolutely loved was when three members of the Dora Milaje the Black Panther's personal bodyguards, you know, would march out into into the land and then do a combat drill and then interact with the, the folks there. And what's just been revealed is that there's been an entertainment cut at uh, the Disneyland Resort and where there used to be three formidable, clean-shaven, I mean, you know, they, 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 the ladies who played members of the troupe shaved their heads just like the women of the film. And now it's down to one member of the Dora Milaje who's, you know, I mean, it's still impressive to have them wandering about. Um, but, but there's now two pissed-off bald ladies that want to have a word with Disney <laughs> management. Very much. Right, Very okay. much. Though, there's been lots and lots of Lokis. Depending on what, when you wander into the Avengers campus, you can bump into prisoner Loki. You can bump into president Loki. You can bump into TVA employee Loki. So I don't know. Maybe they blew the Dora Milaje budget on, on Loki outfits, but that's just kind of disappointing. Well, any cut is disappointing. You always want to plus things, not minus things. And any time a minus comes into the situation, it's always, ah, mm -hmm. do we have to? Yeah. Yeah. This is Avengers Campus where we have the Web Slingers, a Spider-Man adventure ride where people are compelled to get off the ride. And it's like, oh, and, you know, if you want a better score, you can get the $65 wrist bracelet that it allows you to get a, you know, and it's like, I'm, I'm assuming they're moving a couple of, a couple of those an hour. And it's like, you couldn't move that money over to keeping the two ladies who shaved their heads. Being one of those kind of cast members must also have that actual fright of being replaced by a robot. It's like, you know, any, any robot can do any job, but not mine. And it's like, oh yeah, all you gotta do is just reskin Abraham Lincoln and you're out like that, missy. You know, it, and it's so weird that you said this, because this past Friday, the New York Times actually did a piece. They talked about the animatronics that Disney wants to start bringing into the parks and the baby Groot that they want to have walking around the park. But they also demoed, as part of this article of the New York Times that included a video component, they demoed a Hulk, or at least how they would do Hulk's rather large hands is a performer inside of a suit that would walk around and be able to manipulate Hulk's, Hulk's hands. They also demonstrated how they do a wampa 
from the Star Wars universe. So we're part of it, Aaron. You're not wrong, but I, I guess the what's kind of interesting about this next gen of, of animatronics is that it's potentially somebody inside of a suit with, you know, an animatronic overlay that will be out interacting with the public. So Yeah, but it has been only a very short handful of years where was it Honda created their walking robot and then this that was purchased by some other company and now they've actually got the the current version of that is wearing like human style clothes it's not bulky and square shaped anymore it's actually human shaped Mm -hmm. and they're running it through i want to say like flame proofing tests for like clothing that's supposed to help firemen like they'll dress it in the flame proof clothing and then make it walk through fire and see how it comes out the other side Ah. so yeah, so I mean, it's it's not it's it's off of uh, uh, supports. It's able to walk on its own. You're able to dress it. So there's really not much stopping Disney from trying to have a bipedal walking, talking robot mm-hmm. do its mm-hmm. thing. No, 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 very much so. Though, though, I think Drew and I were talking about how they have tried this. They've done the. Muppet Boba Labs, or they did the the Wally robot. That I mean, it was spot on. It was a uh, you know it looked exactly like the character from the Pete Doctor movie. The downside, of course, is it also weighed four hundred pounds, and you know sure. if it yeah. you know rolled over a child's foot, you know <laughs> you could see the lawsuit from space. I think it'd have to be one of those things where it's roped off, where you know they're behind a, a gated area or a fenced off area to where. The public couldn't come up and actually physically touch them, but you know, if you need a couple of rebel pilots behind an X-wing to wave, you know, mm-hmm. or or whatever, and then bugger off no, no, behind no, a no. bush for a minute, I think mm-hmm. there's ways that they could figure out to do things that are, you know, uh, I, as you tell tell stories about Disney always wanted movement in the background mm-hmm. of the parks, you know, mm-hmm. nothing static, and yep. having that extra scenery that moves on its own that are characters that you know just need a little can of oil. To no, they keep them in, in shape, yeah, and they don't need a dental plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I do hope that Anthony Mackie got dental plan as part of his deal. I don't know if you saw just in the past week, uh, he finally signed his deal for a, a fourth Captain America film. That this is and did day. that did that happen to have a date anywhere attached to that contract, or is that somewhere so far off in the far-flung future that did it involve his grandchildren or next of kin at all in that deal? To be honest, I have not seen a date, but there is so much stuff in the works right now. I mean, for example, Don Cheadle. They've just hired the uh, writer for his Armor Wars show, which, again, will be another limited series for Disney Plus or Marvel Studios. Meanwhile, Kevin Feige, when he was on the red carpet for Shang-Chi, uh, Legend of the Ten Rings at the El Cap, week before last, revealed that they were just days away from starting to shoot Secret Invasion, the Samuel Jackson miniseries. And at this point, I think Moon Knight is, if Moon Knight has not wrapped at this point, it's pretty damn close to wrapping. And Ethan mm-hmm. Hawke who plays the villain in that. One of those moments where somebody at PR, I'm sure, gave him a call the following morning, but I want to say he was on Late Night with Seth Meyers and was talking about how he's based the villain in Moon Knight on the notorious Branch Davidian cult leader David Koresh. Awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, from an, uh, an action figure point of view, not I so mean, much. I mean, you got you to gotta pick your your one beacon on the horizon and march mm-hmm. straight towards it with no deviation. You can't just do this mishmash amalgam. I'm going to do these uh, 13 great villains because it never mm-hmm. works. But David Koresh was, you know, he had to do it by uh, manipulation, mental manipulation. You got to get people to do what you want. That's mm-hmm. what a real cult leader does is get other people to do their bidding. And so you got to do that by, you know, whether it be charm or by force, but, you know, force only gets so far. So it's got to be charming as hell. And so I would like to see how he, how he goes about it. That's an interesting insight. Okay. All right. I stand corrected and it will be interesting to see what we get when Moon Knight arrives. On the other hand, people started talking about She-Hulk and I guess the way they're going to have she-Hulk kind of stand out from the crowd from the other Marvel limited series for Disney Plus is this is going to borrow a page from Deadpool. There's going to be evidently quite a bit of talking directly to the camera, breaking the fourth wall. 
and that will come out before Deadpool 3, I imagine. So will Deadpool bitch about her stealing his thunder? I, you know, I don't know. And in fact, just to circle back to Free Guy, Free Guy has done so well at the box office that Disney has already expressed an interest in, okay, we want a sequel to that. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds made a big, huge deal about how Free Guy, in all of the interviews that you see about Ryan Reynolds promoting Free Guy, he -hmm. said it's an original IP, it's not a sequel, it's not a property, it's not some other IP, it's a brand new, Mm -hmm. fresh idea that's never been done before. And all he could talk about is how original and how it's never been done, and it's not an IP, and it's not a sequel. And as soon as the movie comes out, Disney goes, give us a sequel, baby, and he's like, damn it. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> Disney's got a Disney. I mean, it just, in fact, Disney has the cradle to grave business plan. You know, they get you young and they keep you the rest of their lives. And that to me is what's fascinating about Spidey and his amazing friends. The the animated series they debuted on Disney Junior earlier this month on August 6th. This is a version of Spider-Man that's aimed at kids three or five. And it got announced back in August of 2019. They picked up the second season of the show less than two weeks after it bowed on August 6th. August 18th, they announced it renewed for a second season. And they started it off by doing 11 three-minute long shorts that debuted on Disney Junior and then showed up on Disney+. And Disney Plus will be getting the first season of the show on September 22nd, but this animated series is so heavily based on into the the Spider-Verse. I mean, you have the female version of Doc Ock. You have Peter Parker paired with with Gwen Stacy and Miles Morales, but it's the play school version. Now with extra nicotine, kids, enjoy. (laughs) But again, it's just that this is what Disney does. This is you know, uh, this gets kids teed up for Into the Spider-Verse 2, or for that matter, for the No Way Home, which debuts on, on December 17th. I don't think it's necessarily Spider-Verse, like, per se, like like they were ripping that off, because mm-hmm. comic-wise, Gwen's been around for a while now as the Ghost oh, no Spider-Verse, no and, and Miles has been around as well, and mm-hmm. they've had enough... I think crossover encounters with one another that it just mm-hmm. seems almost natural at this point of, well, of course we've got various different spider people in this universe. Let's just have a spider team because they're all so popular and they work so well together and, and uh, it's just fun. Oh no, so, no, I, yeah. I don't get me wrong. I, ha- I have no doubt, but on the other hand, the fact that, you know, you look at the female doc Ock and it just, it's oh, one yeah, of these yeah. things. It's like, that's a, that's a touch specific. Yeah. That influence definitely is, is coming from that. Sure. But you know, again, I also would like to applaud Marvel for just bringing in some, some female characters. Cause there's been, you know, that underrepresentation of, of certain mm-hmm. genders and, and races. And so I, I like that we have a, a new, a variant, a new version that's different that, gives us a new perspective i i totally agree but you know i I think there's at least one person at disney who (laughs) maybe has had his fill of of battling females at at marvel but i tell you what we'll get to that on the second half of today's show spanning the globe to bring you the latest most up-to-date coverage this is scarlet watch we spent quite a bit of time on our last show talking about Scarlett Johansson and the lawsuit she filed against the Walt Disney Company on July 29th. Heard it from a number of knowledgeable fans from the legal profession about our take on it and um, how wrong we were and that's generally the case. It's always nice to have smarter people chime in to help expand your your worldview. Sure, yeah. We had the Walt Disney Company's quarterly earnings call on August 12th. And Bob felt compelled as part of this earnings call to explain what was going on. And he talked about, you know, when it came to Black Widow, that Disney felt that it needed to find alternative methods for distribution because of, you know, what was going on with the coronavirus. Also wanted to stress that we're Disney. We don't do a one-size-fits-all strategy that he wanted to make 
distribution decisions made film by film, and also that they wanted the ability, given how dynamic things were right now with the Delta variant and the Lambda variant. And we said from the very beginning, we value flexibility and being able to make last minute calls when we can. Bob Iger and I, along with the distribution team, determined that this was the right strategy to enable us to reach the broadest possible audience with Black Widow. And also stressed, it's a strategy seemed to have worked, that up until that time, which was before Free Guy came out, Black Widow was the top performing film in the domestic box office since the start of the pandemic. And then he closes out his pitch that Disney will always do what it believes is in the best interest of the film and the best interest of our constituents, a.k.a. the shareholders. But even then, he can't resist one last zing to Scarlett and her legal team. Chapek goes on to say, we figured out ways to fairly compensate our talent. So no matter what the business model, everybody feels satisfied. And since COVID has begun, we've entered into hundreds of talent arrangements with our talent. And by and large, they have gone very, very smoothly, which is an interesting thing to say on the 12th, given the news that then broke on the 16th. There's a gentleman, formerly an editor of The Hollywood Reporter, Matt Baloney. He's now doing, I want to say it's it's twice, maybe three times a week newsletter called What I'm Hearing. Uh, And remember how on the last show, Aaron, we were talking about how Emma Stone had made a deal with Disney for the Cruella sequel. And so there had been some talk at some point that maybe Emma Stone, or for that matter, Emily Blunt, uh, the co-star of Jungle Cruise, might also join Scarlet in a mass lawsuit against Disney about you know what was going on with the Disney Plus stuff. According to Matt, what happened is that Emma Stone reportedly received an eight-figure make-good payment from Disney, and that was just for Cruella? You know, back in my day, we used to call that hush money. (laughs) Doesn't anybody call that hush money anymore? It's been a Zendaya or so since I've used that phrase. Oh, by the way, Jim, I now measure time in Zendayas. Really? Yeah, it's almost a quarter of a century now that I've I've had to use the term hush money. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. about, about a Zendaya ago... I uttered the word hush money, but I can't tell you why, because, well, I had to hush about it. Oh, God, I love that. This makes me think of the, there's a bridge in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts that's measured in smoots. Ah, yes, the smoot, yep. Evidently, there was an engineering student who was going to, to Harvard at the time, and his, his, I guess his roommates persuaded him to lay down on a, a bridge, you know, and they, they, I think the bridge was 200 smoots long. But measuring time in Zendaya's, now, now I really want to do that. But here's the thing. Okay, so that story breaks. And then as part of this earnings call, in a weird sort of way, I feel bad for Bob because he pivots to talk about the next Marvel Studios release. He, he talks about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which again, arrives in theaters in 10 days' time, a week's time, September 3rd. Yep. And Bob goes on to say that this film will be an interesting experience for Absurd for us because it will have only a 45 day theatrical window, which means that after 45 days, it can then show up on Disney Plus. And Samuel Lee, the gentleman who plays the, the title role in Shang-Chi, wasn't happy with this. This will be an interesting experiment comment of Bob J. Beck. And he takes the social media to say, We are not an experiment. We are the underdog, the underestimated. We are the ceiling breakers. We are the celebration of culture and joy that will persevere after embattled year. We are the surprise. I'm fired the F up to make history on September 3rd. Join us. Bob Chapek has never been called a minority before. Yeah. And otherwise, you wouldn't call something like that an experiment. Because an experiment mm-hmm. is, we'll see if it works. Why wouldn't it work? Because it's got Asian people in it. Is that the problem? <sighs> what is what is Bob saying? Really, I have to ask you, if you look at the English language at its most base form, what mm-hmm. the f*** yeah. did Bob say? Mm. He demeaned it. He, he And he, I know he didn't mean to, but he was thoughtless enough to do it. And that's the shame. Well, I think part of the problem here is we, we, we've now got a guy who came out of the consumer products world. Just to give you some idea of how Bob talks, as part of this very same earnings call, he went on to say, talking again about Shang-Chi and the fact that 
you know, it's going to be released on Disney Plus 45 days after, you know, it's in theaters. It's the prospect of being able to take a Marvel title to the service after going theatrical for 45 days will be yet another data point to inform our actions going forward with our titles. Okay, and, and again, listen to this. Yet another data point to inform our actions going forward on our titles. Who talks like that that doesn't breathe Freon, all right? You know, they're just sort of like, (laughs) you were born on this planet. You know, again, can I see the cards? It's like the actors really need to go, hey, Bob, okay, just sit down on the couch here. Okay, now here's the rule. When you're trying to pitch a movie, you don't (laughs) on it. Let's start there. That's the first rule. Second rule, Uh, try and smile. Say mm -hmm. something nice like, hey. I can't wait to see this. That's a good start, huh? Now, mm. say, uh, encourage people to join you. Wouldn't you like to go see it with me? Come, <laughs> join me as we watch mm. the legendary Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I bet it will be magnificent. And then you shut the hell up and you go back in your office and close the door. Mm. Right? Yeah. Just a little coaching no. is what's needed there. No, for no. And, in fact, well, and the terrible part is okay. Two days later, here's Kevin Feige on the red carpet at the El Capitan for Shang-Chi. And he's got to spend time. The, the very thing you just described, he doesn't get to do. He has to, to walk down that line and talk to multiple reporters who invariably either bring up the Scarlett Johansson thing or the fact that the star of your movie just went after the CEO of the company. So over and over again, here's poor Kevin Feige who's got to say, look, I'm all for amicable solutions and I just want this smoothed over. I just, you know, I just want everyone to put this in the rearview mirror. Feige should have just went all in and went, I hire fighters. I want champions. <laughs> I want legends. I want. That's what I want is I want freaking legends on my team. And if he's going to take on the head of Disney, that means he's a legend. He's got the cojones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And same for Scarlett. You know, I mean, she's not going to back down. And actually, after Disney's comments mm-hmm. about her, then she fired back with something about them being misogynistic. Oh, well, it's so interesting you bring that up because, again, clearly at this point, Disney is starting to feel the heat. So they actually file for arbitration, which, by the way, is their right typically in in employment contract situations. Rather than lawsuits, they want to look to arbitration. And I'm sure our listeners who have legal experience will back me up on this. But the thing is, in order to keep it out of the news cycle, they file the paperwork for arbitration On Sunday, late Saturday night, early Sunday, with the hope that, okay, we're outside of the news cycle and no one will pay attention. But, of course, Scarlett's team is ready in response to Disney filing its arbitration motion on a Sunday. After initially responding to this this litigation with a misogynistic attack against Scarlett Johansson, Disney is now predictably trying to hide its misconduct in a confidential arbitration. Why is Disney so afraid of litigating this case in public? But again, I mean, I have to say it is Disney's right to request an arbitration, but it still looks bad. And it especially looks bad that come Monday morning, uh, here's Elizabeth Olsen, who, by the way, is out doing all sorts of interviews because WandaVision is in the middle of a huge push to try to snag some primetime Emmys. You know, and of course, as she's sitting down with all the entertainment reporters, the topic of Scarlett Johansson comes up. And Elizabeth flat out says, I think she's so tough. And literally when I read that, I was like, good for you, Scarlett. And, you know, you've got other celebrities chiming in, like Alec Baldwin, who I support Team Scarlett. In a weird sort of way, I now feel bad for Bob Chapek, who back when he started this, this was just sort of like, I'm going to plant a flag in the ground for the new business model we're doing at Disney. And there was a certain amount of calculation to all this. I mean, Scarlett had, in theory, just made her last movie for the MCU. And just the whole notion of, okay, we don't have to worry about making nice with her. Uh, What's that off in the distance there? Is that a bridge? Hold on, let me get my gasoline and my book of matches. I've always got them on me in my pocket here. Here we go. And dump a little gasoline on this beautiful bridge, light a match. Oh, ho, ho, the beautiful flames. Would anyone like to toast some marshmallows on this bridge I'm burning? Anyone? 
anyone. It's a $20 million loss I'm taking here. Scarlet, just days after Black Widow got released, signed that deal for the Tower of Terror movie with Disney, uh, which she was going to star in and executive produce. I'm not at liberty to reveal who was going to direct it, but this person has already directed at least one hit film for the MCU. So it was going to be this amazing team up of Scarlet and somebody that the fan community was like, oh my God, that's the guy who's going to direct the movie. And whatever Chapek may have saved uh, money-wise for the studio by, you know, uh, by making this move. He lost money-wise, yeah, for what's coming up in the future. <sighs> you know, so much of this field is playing chess that you have to think three, five, six moves ahead. And just lastly, there was that list that was published of what people are being paid to appear in, in various films. And word got out that Chris Hemsworth was being paid $20 million to appear in Thor Love and Thunder. And then it was just one of these things where the entertainment community is like, and how much of a back end is Chris getting in that film? And how does that compare to what Scarlett was supposed to get? And it's just sort of like, all of these questions that nobody at Disney wants to answer right now are all popping up in every interview for projects that, again, it's just like... It's kind of like Thor always asking, who is the strongest Avenger? It's the media asking, who is the highest paid Avenger? Hmm. A.K.A. who is the most valued hmm. by Disney? Or who's the most likely to have a franchise based around their character? Or who's not about to get written off and thrown away or discarded in the future, right? Seriously, if, if you talk with anybody at Marvel Studios, as excited as they are about the potential for Shang-Chi, oh, and, and I, I, I'm almost embarrassed to admit that as part of this show, we didn't talk about the Eternals trailer that dropped. What did you think of that, by the way? I think it's a great trailer, and I also think it's another movie that I'm looking forward to because of my ignorance of it. Mm -hmm. It's another group of heroes that I never read growing mm -hmm. up, and so uh, it's another unexplored area. And in the most recent trailer, oh, this gave me chills. So if our loyal MUD listeners mm -hmm. who recall through Guardians of the Galaxy... And also in, in other various Marvel movies, we went to Nowhere, which mm -hmm. is the head of a celestial floating in space that had a city built inside of it. It's where the collector lives with all of his collection. Yeah, um, yeah. So we get our glimpse of a full actual celestial in that trailer. It's a giant red thing with six eyes that are glowing out and its head is very tall and narrow and it almost, it almost has the look of a Galactus type of silhouette and it just looks massive and menacing and like bigger than all of your eyes can take in at once sort of vibe to it and it just got me really excited to see those giant you know it's like galactus in fantastic four mm -hmm. a few years back was transitioned into a cloud because in... they thought a, a five mile tall dude was stupid mm-hmm and all of the people got pissed off that it was a giant cloud and not a five-mile-tall dude. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so now we've actually got that look, and it does look curvy. It looks it looks crazy. It looks big. It's got weird geometry to it. Mm -hmm. And so it gets me very – it really whets my appetite for those larger-than-life spectacle creatures like a Galactus that we know are looming on the horizon somewhere. We just haven't had our, our first glimpse of how or why. How, how does this thing come into the story? Story, and mm -hmm. I'm hoping that this might be the first crack in a door opening into that corner of the universe that I'm so eager to dive into. So I'm very, very excited about the Eternals. Okay, well, now I have to go back and I have all that trailer. I guess I'm... I, so how did I miss the giant red guy? It, it is a really, really quick, like, two-second thing where they, they asked this very specific question of why did you not help when Thanos mm -hmm. came? And we were told that we couldn't help uh, or interfere unless the deviants were involved. Mm -hmm. And then they say, well, who said that? Mm -hmm. And then it shows like this quick glimpse of a celestial. And so the idea is that the celestials send the Eternals to a place mm -hmm. and they say, watch over that planet. I'm going to be over here doing whatever I do as a celestial. And you'll never know what their plan is or what their scheme is. You just mm -hmm. sent by your boss to go do 
It's but just like the, the Silver Surfer is the Herald of Galactus. He's got to go, go out in Never front go. of him and find worlds to eat. The Eternals are going to be like you know a, a sent out by this one celestial to watch over Earth, but they don't know why or how or what the master plan is. That's not their. They're not privy to that. It's just they got to be here to watch over, make sure no deviants pop up, and that's it. But here's the thing: we've got Chang Chi dropping on September third. We've got this you know very strong trailer. For the Eternals, we have an amazing run so far of Marvel What If. You know, in fact, the, the interesting thing is if you go to Marvel.com, they literally have a countdown clock set up for Hawkeye right now. You kind know, of just sort of ticking down, like, wait till you see this show. And, you know, everybody's talking about, oh, these amazing limited series that we got charging in these really strong films. And yet all anybody can talk about when you get these people in rooms is that at some point it's going to start being about money and it's going to be start talking about, well, you're a female performer. Are you concerned about what Scarlet's had to go through? And it's one of these things at Disney. It's like the mouse is great at marketing, you know, and the mouse is great at staying on message. And the fact that they can't stay on message now because their CEO keeps putting his foot in his mouth, you know, and creating these situations where Samuel Lee shouldn't be talking about what the CEO is saying. He should be talking about, you know, Shang-Chi is opening on September 3rd. You, you go buy a ticket. It's amazing. You know, we, did, we had the, the fight coordinator for Jackie Chan doing some of our scenes. They're off message dealing with this crisis, which right. started at the top. And that then becomes the problem, especially when you're somebody like a Kevin Feige who just who wants to be a company guy, wants to be on board with the Disney agenda, and but has this new boss who hasn't quite figured out how to work the levers yet. You're supposed to ignore the man behind the curtain. Remember, that's the, the key message from the Wizard of Oz. You know, just mm-hmm. keep the curtain closed, work the levers, but you know, don't, don't open the curtain. Yeah, I am rather worried for Shang-Chi at the moment just because it, like, he is an unknown character, so there's mm-hmm. no built-in fan base. They have to do a lot of goodwill uh, on that opening weekend of people being curious enough about the character to go I in agree. without any previous exposure. And so you need that, that goodwill from the fan base, whether COVID is raging in, you know, your local especially, neighborhood. Especially, uh, you know, in fact, it, it's so interesting you bring that up because it's uh, the fact that Venom has blinked or for that matter to look at two films deep in the fall, the uh, Hotel Transylvania uh, Transformania, likewise, Adam's Family too. They mm-hmm. have just, you know, one literally stepped away from theatrical release and you know, is now setting up the deal with Amazon, whereas the other one is theatrical but video on demand. Anybody I'm talking with and checking in with friends who are at CinemaCon, there is a sense, at least on the theatrical side, it's like we are sliding backwards. And, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people will be looking at the opening weekend of Shang-Chi and, unfortunately, probably comparing its box office to Free Guy and Black Widow to see what happens there. And so, ugh. yeah, but I mean, you know, do, do they weigh the covid numbers in cases in the in the rise and the fall along with those financial rise and falls? And, and does that plug into the equation? Because. The thing that about Shang-Chi right now is I, I've been so on board with mm-hmm. watching this new movie mm-hmm. and then the Spider-Man trailer came out and I just believe that, you know, the diehard Marvel fans, if they have to make a choice about I'm only going to see if, if I'm going to risk my health mm-hmm. to go see a thing in a theater mm-hmm. and I only get to choose one, I'm going to choose Spider-Man over Shang-Chi. So therefore, people may end up skipping out now because the spider-man trailer has got their attention and you know they just forget oh shang chi oh that one was that was it last week because you know well, mm. so i yeah i just i really hope that it does well and no no same be, thing here same beyond thing here. all of that the other worry that i have is mm. that marvel has an incredibly loaded schedule of all of these superheroes on the roster and it's either disney plus or it's films but in either case, no matter which media form you look at, they're both fully loaded for many years out. Mm-hmm. And if Shang-Chi wants to have a sequel, if he wants to be invited back into the MCU, mm-hmm. 
Hmm. He really, really needs those numbers on the opening weekend to show that he had uh, an interest or a popularity or an impact on the MCU. Otherwise, I don't want to generalize, but studio heads can make really stupid decisions and go, Hmm. well, obviously, we just can never have another Asian character again. They're not popular. And that I don't want to see be the repercussion of we start limiting which groups we allow into the MCU because we get, you know, it's like, what if Black Panther bombed? Would we would we have more or less black characters entering into the MCU today? I think we would have less. If Shang-Chi bombs, I think we'll have less Asian characters. So, I mean, it's really, really important for an entire race of people. Mm-hmm. That Shang Chi have a, a good opening weekend, so we can have more inclusion, and I'm I'm hoping for that inclusion. So I want Shang Chi to do well. Unfortunately, I just don't know if I'm going to be encouraged enough to go actually into a theater, or if I'm going to wait until it comes out on Disney Plus because it's not that far of a window. Well, I I guess Aaron and I will be able to speak a little more authoritatively about this on September 10th when we're back with our first of our weekly mud shows. So keep an eye out for that. Speaking of the shows we do here at the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network, there is, of course, The Mothership, uh, Disney Dish with Lentesta. Likewise, our animation news show, Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, Tell you what, folks, if you could do uh, Aaron and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend Marvelous Disney, that helps us get additional eyeballs and ear holes. Uh, if you really, really, really like what you heard here today, you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe. Uh, that's helpful, too. Social media. Uh, do you want to tell folks about your Scarlet versus Disney thing you just posted there? No. Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> it's, so. it's it's too controversial for mud. Mm. So if you want to know, it's it's what I believe. I can't prove anything. Mm-hmm. It's speculation. Pure speculation on my behalf. But it's what I believe happened that set off this entire Scarlett Johansson Disney feud. It was one specific event. But again way too controversial of a it's almost borders on conspiracy theory if i'm gonna be honest here and uh, i just don't want to put it out there willy-nilly recklessly so if you're interested you can go find me at azaprod on twitter a-z-a-p-r-o-d click on the little link that plays the audio of ScarJo versus disney and you can find out what happened nancy on the other hand would like me to remind you that you can find us on twitter and instagram as jim hill media and over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. And that's going to do it for now, folks. But again, look for Aaron and I back on September 10th with a brand new weekly version of Marvelous Disney. So thanks for listening and we'll see you soon.